Welcome to Multi-Passionate Artists, featuring conversations with visual and performing artists, along with other creative souls on their journey, process, and entrepreneurship. I am your host, Diane Foy. My purpose is to help multi-passionate artists embrace their values, ambitions, and story so that they can slide into the spotlight with the impact and income to match. Hello and welcome to Multi-Passionate Artists. I am your host, Diane Foy. This is episode 80. You've heard me say on the show that I help multi-passionate artists, musicians, and actors attract fans, media, and industry so that you can make a greater impact and income. But maybe you've wondered, what exactly does that mean? (laughs) Have you ever thought to yourself, if I'm being honest, I fear putting myself out there, fear being judged or failing. I hold myself back. Or I know social media is important, but I get overwhelmed thinking about everything the experts tell me I have to be doing. Or if I could just get an agent or manager or hire a publicist or marketing pro, my career would take off. Gaining clarity on your goals values, beliefs, and story. That's all personal branding is. And it's the foundation required before PR and marketing strategies will result in long-term success. I believe this to my core and want you to ask yourself, is embracing your authenticity, creativity, and purpose important to you? If you're saying yes, I'm so excited to launch the newly updated Fans, Media, and Industry Attraction Playbook. It's a free resource that is available to you. Go through the three phases of the Fans, Media, and Industry Attraction method that I coach artists through. It starts with authentic personal branding, I want you to embrace your authenticity, creativity, and purpose by exploring your goals, values, beliefs, personality, strengths, and experiences. Your unique story is the key to connecting with fans, media, and industry. Phase two, social media superfans. You'll learn how to confidently show up consistently on social media by sharing your personal brand through photography, video, and storytelling. And I also help you identify and connect with your ideal superfans. Phase three, media spotlight. Well, now you can get publicity and press. Whether you want to be featured in blogs, magazines, podcasts, television, or your local newspaper. It's important to prepare yourself to make the most of the opportunities. Head to dianefoy.com slash freebie and download this resource. This is not fluff. 
This is 14 pages of uh, information that gives you the guide to be successful. I hope you enjoy it and definitely reach out to me and tell me what you think. My guest today is Melissa Harding. She's a multifaceted singer-songwriter and concierge vocal coach and stylist based out of Los Angeles, California. With a background of 20 years of vocal training in theater, classical voice, pop techniques, and major touring, Melissa helps touring vocalists harness their unique vocal power and learn to sing effortlessly so they can be reliable in the studio and on stage night after night. Melissa works privately with a broad range of singers of all styles, providing focused coaching for vocalists working on an extended tour, recording in the studio, an actor preparing for a special performance, or at home developing a healthy vocal routine for long-term maintenance. She is also an active singer and creator and has recently released her single Paper Suit. And you will love this conversation because we talk about all your favorite pop and rock vocalists. Of course, I bring up my Janet and J-Lo. <laughs> but we talk Celine Dion, we talk Pink, Steven Tyler, Dave Grohl, Mariah, of course, Michael Jackson, Billie Eilish, Adele, the list goes on. And so it was a fun conversation, and I'm sure that you will love it. My background was, as a kid, was in musical theater, so... That was really like where my, my love of performing started. And I'm really talking about like old movies, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the really old ones, Gene Kelly, like my crush on Gene Kelly was so big. Um, I just thought he was the coolest. And at the time when I was a kid, he was, I'm 35 now, but when I was like a three-year-old, four-year-old growing up on these films, he was the coolest to me. So those were, that was what I grew up on was like really traditional musical theater and that kind of music. And so I always had a draw towards singing. That was always first for me. So, and I think it wasn't really even that like I started singing and had some miraculous voice. <laughs> I was just loud. And I just had what my mom called pipes. Like I just had pipes on me. So I was just a, a very like excited singer and truly like my career of singing started from that initial choice my mom had to just put me in lessons so that I had somewhere to put that energy right like yeah and to be honest I was a really committed student right away I was just I, I maybe didn't do my math homework but I definitely practiced you know what I mean yeah and was so, your family creative musical you know it's funny because as I'm working on, I'm working on a creative project about my, my father's passing right now. And I, I comment on music being in the house, just growing up, even though neither of them technically, I would say pursued the creative arts. They were both creative just in life and they both sang. So like, right. I remember, I have vivid memories of my mom singing, I'm leaving on a jet plane when I was a kid. And <laughs> knowing that song because she would sing it. 
Um, she would sing to us all the time. And so did my dad. We would actually have to kind of urge him to sing because he was a little bit of a closeted singer. But when he did sing, he had this like really beautiful bass. So he would, old man river. And he had like <laughs> just right. luscious voice. So neither of them sang professionally, but they sang around us and they never discouraged us from being creative, you know, right. and, and both my sister and I both were, you know, we just naturally gravitated towards theater and music and choir. And we both took lessons and lessons eventually led to starting an acapella group. And <laughs> so we did that all through high school. Like, you know, okay. we were like gigging, you know what I mean? Like we were yeah. like doing caroling groups and like getting paid for it actually. And it was pretty right. cool to be doing that already at like 16 and 17, you know? Did you just always know that's what you were going to be doing for a living or was there ever a decision of, okay, that's actually what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? You know, this is where I think my parents would say they maybe like could have led me towards college more, but I was a little bit rebellious when it came to just going off to school. And I decided, you know, I want to go to LA. And I think they were both just kind of, and I'm from San Francisco Bay area. So I grew up, up, up North, but they were kind of like, that's big. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? You know, but my goal was like, I'm going to come down to LA and I'm going to become a working singer. I didn't know what that meant, but I just wanted to sing and I wanted to perform. And I didn't really want to only do musical theater. So although that had been a huge part of my upbringing, I loved being on stage. I loved musical theater, but I was a California girl. So I didn't really plan to go off to New York right away. So I just came to Los Angeles. And the strange thing was that they just encouraged me. They said, as long as you go to class and start doing some schooling, (laughs) you can go experiment. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's kind of what I did. So I came to Santa Monica college, which is actually a great junior college here in Los Angeles, a lot of people from SMC go off to UCLA or USC. So it's a great transfer school. Not that I did that, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I didn't, but I, I did theater there and I studied and I, and it really led me that time to be honest, to, to becoming a coach, to becoming a vocal coach. And that started very, very young for me. And, and it sort of just fell into my lap. I was a I was in a children's theater company growing up. And when I moved to Los Angeles, they started the Southern California branch. The daughter of the director I grew up with was like, I'm going to start a theater company. And she said, he said, yeah, Melissa's down there. Get her to come vocal direct for you. And I'm like, I'm 18. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I was so young. And she asked me to come help with the vocals. And I I came in to a group of 30, 40 kids and I became their vocal director. And it happened when I was 18 years old. I had a really good ear. I was able to take a Broadway musical and break down the score and teach it. And, and so I fell into teaching very, very young. And so as an artist, like I'm very proud, but also very lucky, I think to say that I've never really waited tables and I've never had those types of jobs because teaching came into my life literally when I was a college student. So right. yeah, usually and, people come to it later in life coaching yeah. and after they've had some other career. Right. Right. And that was the thing that was interesting is that teaching then became, you know, it's become this very normal part of my life. I think that 
I've always had an ability to just recognize style or certain things that are going on within a singer's voice. And it just started from, from vocal directing. And then people started asking me, well, will you train me privately? I like working with you. And I was like, oh, well, if I'm going to do that, I need to continue my training, you know? So it led yeah. me to, to, to kind of become a bigger, um, I used to be just like a musical theater nerd. And then I became like a voice nerd. It wasn't just musical theater. It was everything voice. It right. was, how do I sing rock? How do I sing gospel? How do I sing country? How do I use my opera training to then do this or this, you know, there's all these different things. And so that time in my life, I would say is really when, you know, the part of me that discovered singing through musical theater and pop music became more and more obsessed with pop and rock and the Beatles and Fleetwood Mac. And it became the time that I was really discovering my love of music, you know? Right. So it's kind of an interesting time being 18 and living on your own and, and kind of finding your own influences that are now going to shape what you become. You know, I didn't know I was going to be covered in tattoos. This was the time where that started, <laughs> you know, it just became like my discovery of like, what do I really care about? What do I really care about? You know, what kind of music were you listening to when you were a kid? Oh man. Oh, totally. besides musicals, like, <laughs> it was musical theater. It was a, a lot of Fleetwood Mac. Like I can see my mom, like vacuuming to her rumors record with her big eighties glasses and like wetsuit. <laughs> she always had a sweat, these like the vinyl, like sweatsuits, you know, and she would be vacuuming and listening to that. We listened to a lot of Neil Diamond. My first love I would say was Neil Diamond. My first concert ever was Neil Diamond. Um, I love him a lot still. <laughs> you know, um, your story is more for someone my age, not your age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my like, your your influences are like I grew up in the 70s and 80s right. and it's like but my no house. you didn't this is my house right like this cool. is the thing that's so funny is that even though like music at the time I would say and we did discover this music I will say that I did discover Mariah Carey and some of these other 90s that were really during my my early 90s childhood I was born in the late 80s so <clears throat> early 90s was a lot of Whitney Houston, and there was this different wave of pop and Michael Jackson and different singers. So we did listen to those. I remember sneaking into my um, guest room to try to catch the Michael Jackson, you are not alone video. Cause I thought he was so handsome in it, you know? <laughs> so we had our, our different discoveries, but our parents, there was a lot of, a lot of the older stuff. Now also yeah. just to, just to say this to anyone listening, my parents were 22 years apart. So my mom was in her thirties when she had me, my dad in his fifties. So we had okay. some influences of music that were older as well. You know, one of my favorite folk groups that my dad raised me on was the Kingston trio. And I still love and listen to them. Um, a lot of beach boys from him <laughs> sailor. So he really liked that like ocean <laughs> kind of pop yeah. music. Um, but yeah, I, I, I honestly, even though we didn't listen to a lot of Beatles, I discovered the Beatles when I was an adult and yeah. went down a rabbit hole, you know? So it's been a lot of my own discovery too, because I just love music just as an artist myself. And as somebody who then went into songwriting, I started really like diving into some of that older music when I got older, because I wanted to understand how Simon and Garfunkel wrote those lyrics and those stories that were so interesting to me, you know, because yeah. the lyrics were unusual. It was a different time of music. I always studied different periods of music too, because yeah. I 
you know, go through the fifties phase, then the sixties phase and um, rediscovering old music and then discovering blues and going back even further, how they tie to jazz music and how it all evolved. It's so fascinating. And as a vocal coach, I would imagine different vocal styles from the different eras. And for nineties, you had all the female powerhouses the Celine Dion Whitney Houston Mariah Carey it's like people with the insane voices you know what (laughs) it was it's an interesting thing being a fan and then becoming a singer you know because I will tell you that (laughs) you're hitting it on the head because I was raised with all those singers and I can I remember just belting out along with Mariah Carey's cover of can't live you know (laughs) like she was just and I was singing so loud You know, the thing that's so interesting is as a voice coach, what I've sort of learned uh, as I've gotten older and and have studied more styles and things is that we're all different, you know? So it's one thing to be a fan listening and belting along, but when you're actually becoming an artist and trying to figure out what your voice does really well, the artists that we love are the ones in a lot of ways that they figure that out for themselves. So we sort of feel safe in their hands, you know, in the sense of like, you know, when I watch Taylor Swift sing and I use her as an example all the time, it's not about that powerhouse thing necessarily. She's not trying to hit all the riffs and the runs. She's not trying to hit notes that are beyond her means, but man, is she trying to tell you a story and man, does she connect with her audience and so it really goes to show that it's not so much about how impressive it is or you know I just watched this great movie Coda and the the choir teacher in it was talking about Bob Dylan and I always like talking about Bob Dylan that his voice is sort of like sand and glue yeah (laughs) right it's a great (laughs) reference it's it's not about it being pretty that's not why we listen to him right so there's a story there. And, but Mariah Carey's got a story too. It's, it's different styles, different things within each style. And what you said is so true. I love going back. And I remember taking a great class in college. It was the history of rock and roll. And man, we spent time talking about everything like well back into gospel and blues And it really got into this, this, like, what did little Richard do? What were these people doing that were really sort of changing the sound of rock and roll music? And, and how do people growl like that? And how do people do these things with their voice? And it's, it's so wildly different depending on where you are. And as somebody that personally was on a heavy rock tour, like I've seen people do crazy things on stage, but it's them figuring out the way that they emotionally communicate things. And that's what makes it powerful is that raw emotional quality and being able to let go. And as a vocal coach, that's what I try to help people do is like, yeah, you need to know how to take care of this thing so that when you go on stage, you can do it and just go for it. And you're not, you're not going beyond your means. You're not killing yourself, but you're, you're freeing your storytelling, you know, you're freeing your ability to use this instrument to connect to an audience and tell a story because that's your job. Yeah. And I think when I coach artists, it's, it's more than just the voice always. And you can think about because Canadian Celine Dion, like we love, we love Celine, (laughs) but she had a very different look, different everything when she was young, before she hit it big in the States in Canada, she only sang in France. She would be on much music and 
you know, big frizzy curly hair, just like no style at all. And, and I remember seeing her when her first English album came out and she was on all the talk shows and she would be like, I dreamed from a young age, I would see people on the Grammys, on the Oscars. I would see Barbara Streisand and I want that. And she she just claimed it of like, I want that. I want that. And she had this, I will do whatever it takes. And to see her evolve as she got more popular in the States, more money, more advisors. And she did learn how to be a more classy dresser and And that comes with the cash too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And she, she did like uh, English immersion where she learned how to speak English in like a week, you know, and, and And she's always been kind of wild. You know, the thing I love about her, she loves fashion. She loves these things. She's kind of, um, and she's funny. Oh my gosh. When you see her talk live, I saw her in Vegas once and she, she is an exceptional vocalist, right? And there's, like, there's insane. a skill there. And this is something I'm always telling people, like there's a willingness there to own that skill and to know exactly what it takes. A lot of that type of singer, a lot of their life revolves around that instrument. You know, it's a hard yeah. instrument to carry around. It's not, you don't get to be out partying and at the do 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 and that, the, yeah. right. I mean, at the cost of your voice, she has had such longevity in her career and it's, it's partly in due to just her, her own discipline, but also her own awareness of what makes it powerful. What's fascinating yeah. to me about Celine Dion is that, and, and I always say this and people are like, really, I'm like, you got to really listen. Right. But like she and Michael Jackson, great examples of vocalists who are not very loud. Yes. They're right. belting. Yes. They're doing all these very commanding and dramatic things, but in a very controlled means when they go there emotionally, it's not them screaming. It's them very passionately putting something into a position, yeah. not, not to the detriment of her voice, right? Like we can all get tired, but she's an unbelievably skilled singer. And man, I have to yeah. say, I love when she sings in French. It's my favorite. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. She does it at her shows and it's so special. She'll sing like a French jazz song. And she's just, it is just the coolest thing. It is the coolest thing to see people sing in their native tongue. Yeah. It's so special. She's so cool. I could talk about her all day. Yeah. (laughs) I like, I like, I love all the big female vocalists. So, Hey, let's continue down that. Yes. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. My girl is Janet, Janet Jackson. Oh yeah. And like, she doesn't really have a strong voice. But it's cool. But it's cool. She but uses it, her strength when she wants <clears throat> certain yeah. moments, but she's got a sweetness there. Quiet. It's a quiet, softer voice. And, and but she can still be fire. Like yeah. I love scream, right? You gotta be oh, tough. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Her version is not, <laughs> you got it's not loud. It's you gotta be tough. She has yeah. that, mm, there's a little bit of a sweetness there, which to me is powerful. You know, that's the thing is it is powerful. It's a different kind of power. Yeah. That's what's yeah. cool. I love that you brought up Janet Jackson. She's, she's a, she's underrated because of Michael. Um, yeah. People don't look at her as having like, as ah, she's not Michael Jack. She is a Jackson though. And she has got some. <laughs> <laughs> she's my girl. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, really because 
that how you love someone for more than just their voice. Cause I, you know, I'm her biggest fan and I would say she doesn't have the strongest voice, but she knows what to work with what she has. Mm -hmm. And it's more about her songwriting, her dancing, her personality, what she's all about. She's all about female empowerment and Mm -hmm. being strong. And, and all of that is why you love her and you're, committed to her right Right. so there's so much more and and also I love J-Lo and again she's also not known as the big as the best singer but she She knew that going in and she works her ass off to become a good singer right and she it's her whole show right and I think you know Britney's a great example of that as somebody who there are so many singers nowadays this is not to dog everyone but there are so many singers nowadays that just go sing to track because Mm-hmm. half the time it's just because they're doing so much with their body that they need to double their choruses or do something because they're just going to run out of breath for two hours yeah, yeah. That. but but Brittany's a great example of that it was it was about female empowerment it was about feeling strong and fe- you know and the choreography and all yeah. of the show you're not going just to hear Britney Spears sing you're going to no. see the full show yeah and well that's the difference between people like Britney and people like Celine Dion, you, you go to the show for different reasons. Right. Exactly. When I first saw Janet, I'm like, I know she lip syncs. I don't care. I want to see every dance move. And then I actually, I've been surprised that she actually does sing live and same with JLo. I was surprised that she sings live more than you, than, than people would know. And that's the thing is, I think it's like, that's why people get up sort of like, not upset, but like, they're not, they're using snacks or whatever. It's like, you know what? Like now, if Celine Dion came out and lip synced, everybody I might have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) I would have a problem with that show. (laughs) No, we're here to see the magic of Celine's vocal cords making sound. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's totally true. It's totally true. And that's the thing is it is you, you know, you become very aware of when you're on tour, especially you become so aware of how difficult it is to be a singer and when I was on the road, I was on a road with a band called 6AM and the lead singer of that band, James Michaels, a very dear friend of mine. And he sang live every night and I coached him on the road and kept him as healthy as I could. But there are times when things happen and they're just out of your control. And I'll give you a great example. My 30th birthday, we were at this, this rock tour in front of 80,000 people that day at a stadium. And he had a 104 degree fever. So by name, by default, it does not even matter. Like if he was healthy yesterday, his whole body was inflamed. His whole yeah. body was inflamed. So the vocal cords are inflamed, throats inflamed, the neck, the chest, the lung, everything is just puffy and hot. And yeah. I remember him looking at me just with desperation in his eyes after he'd gotten his cortisone shot, the rock doc came, they call it, yeah. <laughs> you know, they do everything they can to get your body to de-swell a little bit. But as somebody who will not sing to track, he had to go out on stage that day with a 104 degree fever and just hope for the best. Yeah. That is not a fun feeling. Let me tell you when you are a vocalist and you realize that you cannot deliver what you want to deliver and you can't hand your guitar to a guitar tech and nobody's going to fix your drums and it's sitting in your throat and there's just nothing you can do about it. There's nothing harder than that. And then the pressure of like, it's not like you can't go to work. Like, (laughs) and, uh, and and, money to cancel a show, right? It costs money. It costs everyone else. Disappoint everyone. Like 
I think I saw the Celine Dion documentary of her on tour. And there was one time that she, the doctor even said, you go out there, you might lose your voice forever. You might ruin it for the next show, the next show, the next year. That's, oh my gosh, it's just so sad. It's the stress of like, but then, but then you disappoint everyone who's traveled to come see you. You've you got thousands of people. Then you got thousands of people that are working for you. Right. Like is so much pressure to being. go. Like, what can you do? Right. Like it's yeah. so hard. And, and that's the thing is people, people kind of will come down on singers. I just saw an actor. I really like his name's Darren Chris, and he's about to go to Broadway in a new show. I love and him. He posted on Instagram and he said, to everyone coming to the show, I apologize ahead of time. I will not come out to say hi at the stage door. Sometimes actors will come out and they'll yeah. sign programs and people get so disappointed when those yeah. actors don't come out and see them after the three hour show they just did. Right. And it's like, yeah. I have to go home and not speak. I have to rest, I, you know, and that's the thing too, is that that piece of it can be tough, but it's part of the job. You just yeah. have to be aware of your body and what it needs from you. And, and honestly, as a working singer, like to any singers that are listening, like this is the most important thing is, is getting to this point of just true awareness of what you can give. And I always tell my students voices like a piggy bank, and this doesn't come from me. This was an analogy. One of my teachers gave me, but it's, it's literally a piggy bank and you have so much cash to spend. And if you overspend, the piggy bank is empty and it, <laughs> yeah. it therefore does not give you anything more. Right. So like, yeah. if you don't know how much is in there and that's the thing about Celine Dion, she knows, she yeah. knows a thousand percent when she wakes up and starts doing whatever she does to get in tune with her body. She knows she's Celine Dion. She knows exactly how Celine Dion is supposed to feel and yeah. sound and, you know, and if it's not in her control, there's, there's actually risk involved right? That's what you're saying. Yeah. Like there's a risk and that's yeah. really tough. You could lose right? your whole career. Yeah. Like you could, if you, you one show up your voice a year. Yeah. Right. right. That's <laughs> devastating. such a risk. Yeah. It's a huge risk. And, and when you are the one having to actually execute that decision, Sean Mendez did a documentary, same thing happened to him. He's yeah. like in Rio or somewhere in the middle of, you know, a place that he not normally would be thousands of people. And he's on the phone with Eric Vitro, his vocal coach in LA, who's a very famous, he's worked with everybody. He's been around for 30 years, 40 years in LA. I don't even know. And he, yeah. not that he's not that old, but like 30 yeah. years, I would say. And he's telling him, you know, Sean, you can do it, but you probably will not be able Risk. to sing in the next five days. So it's going to cost you more. One right. show is going to cost you more. And yeah. it's just, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that just, it literally like makes my heart sink. I just, yeah. it's the hardest feeling disappointing anybody. And that's the thing that's tough about being a singer. It just is. Yeah. And how do you, because on the other hand, like I've been in the, in the scene of the, you know, the rock singers where you party all night and <laughs> it's just that part of the lifestyle and, but yet you want to be a superstar. Yeah. How do you get through to people like that? of what they're risking. Well, yeah. you know, what were you going to say? Go ahead. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have a question. It's more that that feeling of like, it's a misconnect from you. You say your dream is to be the, the yeah. famous person, the pink, you know, touring the world. Um, but 
your what your actions are not taking care of the voice, right. not taking care of your body and your health. Yeah. Well, you know, and it can come from different things. I would say, you know, it's some people, and I always use Julie Andrews as an example from Sound of Music. And um, I don't know everything about her case, but from what I know, when she had vocal surgery and then could not sing, and I don't know if you know this story, but she she did Sound of Music. She won Oscars. She did, you know, uh, My Fair Lady. What? Not My Fair Lady. What's it called? Uh, Mary Poppins. Yeah. <laughs> she was Mary. And then she did My Fair Lady on Broadway. And she's doing all these shows and shows and shows and shows. It's not even that she just destroyed her voice, but she sang so much that, you know, things can build up in there. You can you can get calluses or you can get a polyp or a nodule or, or different things can happen to the voice. Um but, but her surgery just didn't go well. And so she didn't come out the other side of that being able to do the things she wants to do. Now, some people have had lots of vocal surgery. You know, Steven Tyler yeah. of Aerosmith has, has gone under the, the laser or whatever multiple times. But it's, it is partly because of the style that he's singing. What I will yeah. say as a vocal coach myself, and this is going to be me going into like my kind of my technique you know, my dorkiness around vocal technique now. And, and, and that is not to say that I'm a perfect student either. I just want to say that <laughs> for the record, like as much as I teach this stuff, it's one thing for me to see things on another person. It's always hard to teach yourself. So I've always tried to continue studying, but when it comes to voice, when it comes to rock music and pop music, the thing about that world is a lot of these artists that are in it did not like go to vocal school or something to yeah. become Steven Tyler. Right. He just is Steven yeah. Tyler. Yeah. And so like walk this way, like the stuff he's doing, it's sort of how he talks and how he does all it's, it's just, it's energy mixed with voice mixed with songwriting. He wasn't really taught how to do that. He just did it. Yeah. The one thing that all of those singers could benefit from is some sort of routine around that. And that's the one thing that is sort of, I think, viewed as to some rock singers it would be viewed as like dorky to like care, you know, yeah. reading Dave Grohl's book, one of my favorite rock musicians of all time. And one of the most talented people in this business, in my opinion, but like, he's not a vocal guy in the sense that yeah. warming up. He said something in the book about like, I usually have like a two drinks and a da da da, you know, and yeah. as a voice teacher, that's like, no, you know, <laughs> But you know what? It works for him. And he's not the guy that's losing his voice every day. He's always been able to create a really cool scream sound. Now, technically, if we if for anybody that doesn't know much about the vocal cords, you have your vocal cords that make sound and phonate. And then there's this other thing over the top, the thing that actually covers them when we swallow your false vocal cords. And rock singers like him, what? that stuff is your false vocal cords. That's not your true vocal cords making that sound. It's actually this other thing constricting above it. So he's figured out how to do certain things. Is he a perfect singer? Gosh, no, but he's not trying to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So he's been able to have a very long career and, and figures out how to do that. I'm sure he's been tired before. I'm sure he's yeah. had vocal issues before, but it's not stopping him. From doing his job. I think a lot of people in that position, if I could sum up the biggest issue for everyone, it's volume. Because right. the thing is, you can do cool stuff and just like Celine Dion does, 
just like Beyonce does, just like Michael Jackson did, but you're not singing with so much volume. And I use Michael Jackson as an example because he growled a lot. He would do like, like he would do cool things with this, like all these sounds. It's not like he was trying to be like perfect vocalist, but he wasn't screaming. In rock music, there tends to be more screaming. There tends to be more volume, just sheer volume. And that's something the singer I worked with on the road for 6am, we talked about. His voice is like Freddie Mercury. He's got wide melodies and a lot of belting and it's a beautiful voice. But man, can you feel pressure to just be louder, louder, louder. Yeah. Got to check that. You got to really check. I mean, Celine Dion's probably had moments like that too, where she just one night you oversing a little too much and you're like, Ooh, I got to watch it on that song. Right. Like it's not a feeling of not being passionate. It's watching your volume so that volume is not equating passion. That's a different thing. Volume is not passion. There's a lot of songs that like a Janet can be incredibly passionate but their go-to is not to be super loud. Billie Eilish is a great example. Right. Not loud all the time. This girl's one of the most powerful singers in the music business right now. She sings at a whisper certain songs. I'm not your friend. It's so small and so cool. Yeah. So intimate, so powerful. Draws you in. It's not about volume though, right? Like she's not trying to sing your ear off. Yeah. Part of what makes it special. I think, you know, and I never want to throw her under the bus, but I bring up Adele often because to me, that's an example of a voice that could really benefit from just pulling the volume back a bit. Right. Such a powerful singer. She's such an emotional and beautiful singer. But when she goes up to her high belts, it's at, it's like at a 10 for her. Yeah. And I think that it's exhausting and certain singers, they can do that over and over again in the studio. But when it comes to singing live, that can wreck us, you know, it can just make us so exhausted. So, and she's had surgery before already and she's young. So it's like, it's actually avoidable, you know, that's the thing that's hard is over time. It can be avoidable. If you learn to do certain technical things that do calm your vocal cords down, but you have to watch your behavior. It's watching drinking. It's watching all of the things that, you know, can kill you. (laughs) (laughs) So when I get invited to a birthday party at a bar, you know, and, and it's the day before I have some big vocal session in the studio, you're probably not going to get me at that bar for more than 30 minutes to an hour, because I have to excuse myself so that I don't overspeak for the next two hours and then try and go do my job the next day. Does it make sense what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, yeah. Priorities. You got to sacrifice some things to for what you really want and that's I think that's also what I coach on is figuring out what it is you really want what are your priorities and because especially if you're multi-passionate you got a million things you want to do you can go in a million different directions and so if you are very clear on your priorities, what it is you really want, what you're working towards, then it's easier to say, okay, I can't be out every night. <laughs> like I have to pick and choose the, the yeah. events and the people in your life, they got a deal or just know yeah. it's like, it's nothing personal. It's like, yeah. I have, you know, this amount of time for my friends on Saturday. You're free. That's it. That's all I got. The rest, I have to work on my own thing. And so sacrificing as well. Yeah. And I think that was kind of like when you said, like, 
if you want to be pink, how do you get there? And you know what I always think of is that book. And I, can I curse on this? Sure. Am I allowed to say a curse word? But it's I just a- have to remember to tag it as. So. <laughs> uh, but I won't even say it, but the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Did you read that yeah. book? Did you read that one? I can't think of the name of the author off the top of my head. I'd have to look him up. Um, yeah, I think I did read it. Subtle art of not giving a fuh. Um, But he talks about that in the book. You know, he's saying, you know, I may say I want to be a rock star. What does that actually mean? You know, (laughs) what does that actually take from me? What does that actually require me to do or be able to control or. And so for JLo, it's having a fit body girl. can work out, but that's part of her job, right? Like she, she does that training because she knows exactly what it's going to require of yeah. her on stage. And I think to friends of mine that have, I know a, a girl, really fantastic Broadway singer uh, that I worked with many, many years ago for a very brief period of time, but she was playing Alphaba and in Wicked. And, you know, she talked about how her diet, her sleep, like everything revolved around those eight shows a week eight shows a three-hour show like man it gets down to your physical body it gets down to what you're putting into it your height you know your hydration I'm always telling students that like even if you're not an athlete cardio matters for breath you know I'm jumping on my trampoline and (laughs) just trying to activate my lungs you know and, and and feel my body my voice teacher uh of many years is the touring vocal coach for Bon Jovi Mm-hmm. and she works with him and she t- she always told me that he ran on gig days he always was out running before the yeah. gig because that's one of his ways of just connecting so that he can be bon jovi every night and go on stage and run around that stage yeah. at his age and still deliver that show you know yeah so yeah, yeah jlo's going to is she staying in the shape so that she can keep doing it and doing yeah. it <laughs> That's why I admire her really is her worth work ethic. Oh, it's so tough. She's a, she's like, a I think I have a pretty good work ethic, but nothing compared to her. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not. I would love to be JLo, but um, I don't have that. I don't have it in me. Me either. You yeah, know, I love to perform, but I don't want that fame. I don't yeah. want, I can't do what she's doing. You know, I love to sing and, you know, being multi-passionate. I think that's also important to figure out, you know, like, where do you want to go? And as a singer myself, I could be on Broadway someday that could come into my life at some point. Um, I feel lucky that I've toured all over the world through singing, you know, voice has taken me to places I never thought I would go. So I have had my moments of feeling like a rock star on a big festival stage. And that's a really cool feeling, but to be honest, audiences are audiences, whether they're 20 people or a hundred people or 80,000 people. And I found that as I've gotten older, it becomes more important to figure out which situations really bring you the most joy. And like, to me, that's, that's doing so many kinds of gigs, not just the big ones, but I love singing at weddings. I love going on a cruise ship and doing a Broadway concert. (laughs) I love doing things that, you know, may not be Broadway, may not be on a major tour, but it's still, it's about the energy in the room. It's about storytelling. It's about using the instrument to do lots of different things. And that's, that's important. It's not all about being famous. It's not all about being a star. I think for some people it is, but for some of us, we have to figure out whether we really give an F about that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's, um, it's again, some things I coach on is figuring out, 
you know, what it is you want and your core values and what your why is because so important the why, why do you want that? Because you might say, oh yeah, I want to be the rock star. I want to be the super famous guy. But if your values and core values and why is maybe a little bit smaller, maybe you value security, family, steady income. hundred percent. That is not the life for you then. Right. <laughs> you know, it's but yeah, so true. It's, it's exactly what I was saying to my partner. You know, we've been together two years. We were gone from LA, but came back and found a cool house. And I'm really like, Hmm, I don't know if I would go on a world tour again. <laughs> if yeah. up, I don't, I'm not interested actually in touring around the country in a musical because that wouldn't allow me to be here in my yeah. home. So it's change. It is, it's, it's figuring out perspective and, and these things can change in a performance career a hundred percent. Now, somebody like pink or one of these, you know, artists, they, they make a living on tour. So that's part of their job is leaving yeah. home. And sometimes that's for, you know, I'm reading Dave Grohl's book, like I said, and he talks yeah. about that when they all had kids, there was a point where they decided as a band we don't go out for longer than two weeks at a time. And they made right. a two week rule that if they were going to go out, but two weeks is still a long time at two, half a month, you're gone. You know, it's like, yeah. it does require that. And, and I was saying that to my partner, you know, I love coaching, but I am a performer. And right now I'm really missing performing coming out of the pandemic. And yeah. I've been building my coaching business and you know, it's funny the year before the pandemic, I was telling everyone let's work virtually and nobody wanted to, and yeah. then now we're all working, virtually. <laughs> but you know, I, I don't want to go on tour. And I was telling him, I think I'm going to start doing cruise work again. I think I'm going to start doing those jobs where I can go away for a week and then come home yeah. Maybe a week here, maybe a week there, but, but yeah, you have to figure out your priorities because truly the other piece of being multi-passionate is that if you're passionate about life, I also want to live my life. I want to be with my dogs and go on a hike. I want to enjoy a nice dinner with my partner without my phone going off. You know, like it's truly to me, the other stuff is, is only valuable if, if I'm able to maintain the value of, of the home that makes me also feel fulfilled, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's It's really important to figure it out. And it yeah. takes time. <laughs> it does take time. And balance yeah, and, and cruise ships. It's like you still get to perform. You still get to have fun. And you still get to ha- make people happy. Yeah. It is, who cares who those people joyful. are? <laughs> it's the most joyful thing, to be yeah. honest, to do some of those gigs. Like one of the gigs I've done a, quite a bit is with some girlfriends of mine that started a, a group called Lady Luck. And it's all you know, Frank Sinatra sort of, you know, we do that's life and like, you know, really old fun songs, traditional standards and things, but man, do people love that show, man, do people come out every, every time and say, thank God you guys are keeping this music alive. It's so good. And to do that with a 10 piece band with horns and (laughs) it's so fun, you know, it's so fun. I just, I love live music. I love hearing people play instruments. And so for me, being in a live band is, is kind of the jam, you know, being able to sing in front of a bunch of musicians 
just as a vocalist. That's just so fun. Yeah. I love that. And like, I'm not even a cruiser. That's the funny thing is I'd never been on a cruise before I worked on a cruise. Right. And now I like, I'm all about the cruise life. I like, <laughs> so it's open. I've never up. gone. Oh my do gosh. When I do one, I will invite you and then you'll come book it and then come watch my show and we'll have a cocktail. <laughs> Many cocktails. Many cocktails. <laughs> well, you're the team. singer. You don't get to have as many, but <laughs> after after the show, I can have as many as I want because here's the great thing about cruise life. You only perform one day. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, so you <laughs> don't have to perform every cruise, night. No, because if you're on the cruise, they're really only going to come to your show. If you're a guest entertainer, right. say you're like on a cruise for a week, they're only going to have that guest entertainer perform one time. It's sort of a special, ah. oh, come see the special show that we're doing sometimes it's a magician or a this or a that but when we do those that's that's kind of the fun thing is that that's it's fun you get a free cruise <laughs> oh and then you're obviously on a cruise <laughs> yeah okay that's that. a good deal I like that, that. <laughs> <laughs> um we've talked about uh we've mentioned pink a few times and I loved hearing one time on an award show someone on social media said something about her lip syncing and I had to I was like the cheerleader going, oh, do not say she lip syncs. Oh my gosh, she's because so she cool. does not. And but because I remember not lip syncing while she's flying through the air. <laughs> well, I think that's why they just assumed she's lip syncing because she's flying through the air. And I'm like, no, I remember that she talked about that where she works with a vocal coach who punches her in the stomach as she hangs upside down and sings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like trying to get her to keep her. You know, the thing with, that's weird about vocal support, and I know people can't see me, but I'm describing this to you, but it really is this idea of like, you know, my teacher used to say like, literally when I was young, and this is a weird analogy, but imagine like a baby in your belly sort of weight, the weight, like the physical expansion of the body. Yeah. Know? So even if you're a man, imagine there's a baby in your belly, but like truly your whole body with voice does needs to become this athletic open, you know, what my teachers say, it's like build a brick wall, but it's really openness. It's not a clenching sort of feeling. It's an expansive sort of feeling. And so a lot of teachers, we will, we'll put our hands on you, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're trying to get you to feel what it feels like to not use the muscles of the neck or of the chest to force something to happen but to actually find the true support, which comes much lower in the body. We're trying to like get our pelvic floor long. <laughs> We're trying to get our side ribs open. We're trying to get our back to expand. It's all this space. It's physical space, you know? Yeah. So, and, and our bodies are all different sizes as well. Yeah. So when you're also doing something athletic at the same time, She's having to clench muscles to do other things. So her voice teacher's like, but no, 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 but don't forget to expand right. and breathe, you know, because when you breathe, when you're doing a sport thing, it's a different feeling than also having to maintain a connection in your vocal cords. Like that's actually a different muscle working and you're not breathing when you're using your cords. Right. So it's, right. she's, she's that's insane. insane. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I don't know if I've seen it, but I've, I've, I, when she said that I pictured her hanging upside down and someone punching her in the stomach as she sings. <laughs> like, she's, she's so wonderfully assertive and strong. Like, I just love her energy as a vocalist. Cause she, you know, I always say, but like, you gotta be in the driver's seat of your own voice. You have to be the boss. And 
Yeah. I don't care what you're talking about. It can be a song you wrote and it can be about something silly, but like, you've got to mean it times a thousand, you know? Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's like, it, that's the point. And she comes out with every song, whether it's a ballad or dear Mr. President or whatever she's saying, she says things with such fire and she just cares, you know, and she yeah. cares about every aspect of the performance. She's just cool. <laughs> She's I love so my cool. ladies. Oh my gosh, she's such a she's just such a cool woman. I just think she's awesome, yeah. and she's a mom, you know. So she's like also yeah. just a tough mom, and I yeah, she's such a great example for women in the business because she's always held herself with just a real authority and a real strength around her business, you know, and just how she is as an artist. She's so cool. Yeah, I love her. Wonderful. <laughs> so. Um, well, we, I always ask, what is your why? What is my why? Why? Why do you do what you do? Oh, that is a really, you know, I think of it in two sides, you know, in terms of singing, you know, my why has always been storytelling always. And, and has even more so become about that as I've gotten older, the more I, I dive into art just as a lover of art. You know, I love stories and I love a great film and I love a great song and I love a great, you know, performance, whatever it might be. And that's why, because I'm fueled to tell stories, you know, Um, as a singer, I think I always tried, I think I always wanted to be like a big Celine Dion type singer. And it's funny as I've gotten older, I've actually simplified more. Like I like, being a little more intimate in my storytelling, but I think that's also what's fun about it is you can do so many different things. So my why is also my curiosity <laughs> yeah. around just continually, continually enjoying exploring voice and singing. And as a coach, you know, it, it, it's, I love seeing people have aha moments. I love with voice, there's so many things that seem sort of unachievable or out of your reach. And I love teaching people and getting them to see and feel what makes them unique and what makes their voice unique. Because if Bob Dylan can be a famous singer, we all can. It's just actually like, what is he saying that is connecting? What makes him unique? There's something about you. It's not like, you know, anybody can be an artist now. So it really is figuring out what you want to say and, and figuring out how you want to use your voice. So when I can help somebody kind of break through a barrier that's, that's stopping them from doing something that they're totally capable of doing, if they just think a little bit differently, you know, that's, that's fun (laughs) to watch people kind of go, Oh, Oh, I can hit that note. Oh, I'm just thinking about it in a way that's making it hard for myself. I'm just thinking about it in a way that's completely coming from fear. Let's eliminate the fear. Let's eliminate the questions and then see what you can do. That's fun to me. So that was a long winded answer. (laughs) That's all good. That's all good. So where can people find you online on Insta? What's happening? Where can find me? I actually have two Instagrams now. So one of them is just my, my normal everyday page. I'm at Melissa K Harding and that's one L two S's Melissa K Harding and Harding like Tanya Harding. Should we bring her up? Just kidding. Sure. <laughs> do you remember, do you remember the old Tanya Harding story? Don't worry. Not related. Yeah. Um, 
And then my voice page on Instagram is Melissa Harding voice. So I just started that one and I'm starting to kind of put some fun uh, things out there. And then my website is melissahardingmusic.com. And there I post, you know, that's where you can book private lessons with me. And I'm also going to do my first like group workshop coming up, which will be fun, like a really basic understanding your voice workshop for two hours. It'll really be about mindset around voice and breathing work and, you know, things like that. A lot of like kind of meditative work and things because we have to so get in tune with our bodies in order to use our voice. So I wanted to do that. So yeah, you can find me at melissahardingmusic.com and yeah, I'm easily accessible on Instagram. So if you find me there, I'll respond to you because I use it every day for coaching and things. So yeah. And this is fun. Thank you so much for, for having me on because it's been just really a blast talking to you. Yeah, this was great. I love talking about all the female divas. Oh, we love it. it. I can talk about singers all day long. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you talking to me. For links and a transcript, visit dianefoy.com slash zero eight zero. Thanks for listening to Multi-Passionate Artists. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your fellow artists, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To connect with me, I'm Diane Foy Arts on Instagram and in the Multi-Passionate Artists groups on Facebook and Clubhouse. Thanks again.